Crystal and I had been married for a couple of years, and we, uh, we were doing this youth ministry thing actually on, on Lake Michigan, right on the coast. And I got accepted in grad school, and we were moving to Portland, Oregon. And this would have been maybe like 1997-ish, okay? And, and I was, I don't know, I might have been 22, 23, something like that, okay? So we were finished up this youth ministry job that we were doing. I was going to grad school. And we're going to move from the Midwest, we're going to move out to Oregon, right? And my first time, never been out there. And we had this 1984 Volvo wagon. How many of you ever had one of those 240 wagons? Aren't they the best? They're absolutely the best. My favorite. Like, uh, I can't tell you how many times on KSL I've thought about grabbing one of those old wagons. And uh, so... um, So we loaded up everything we had, and everything we had fit inside the Volvo wagon, right? And we loaded that up, and everything except for the stick shift, like it was literally a wall of stuff right here and me, and I was going to drive to the West Coast. I left a week ahead of time uh, to get out there because you had to plan for a breakdown, right? You just (laughs) had to plan for a breakdown, which I didn't have. So left a week ahead of time and, and drove out. And so all, I couldn't see out the mirror, out the side. It was packed right to the windshield, highly illegal. And, and I drove out to the West Coast to where we we're going to live. And Crystal was going to kind of finish up our job that we were doing together. And then she was going to fly out like a month later after I got things kind of set up, figured out maybe for an apartment and stuff like that, where we we're going to live. And so that for that first month... Uh, I lived in my car. I got like a storage area and I kind of, I lived in my car and I was figuring out my way around Portland and parked in different places. And I was, you know, in school. And so I, I, uh, showered at the gym and all that kind of stuff. And I just, I look back at that time, like, and we didn't have, we didn't have hardly anything, right? I had first cell phone that I ever had, right? And we talked back and forth. And for those of you who are young enough, they actually didn't always have like state to state or international or not nationwide calling wasn't always part of the deal, right? So I spent more than rent that month on phone calls, which I didn't know until the next month. And, uh, but like, we were just, we were so content. Like we slept for the first couple months on thermarest, like camping, backpacking mattresses. And like, I was content. Ladies, I'm not saying Crystal was content with that. Okay. Um, I was super content. Like it was just, we didn't have anything and we didn't, like we, hard, we were in different apartments for a few months, but it was like this adventure of doing life together. And we didn't even know what we didn't have, what we need. Do you know what I'm saying? And there was a deep amount of contentment there. Today we're talking about the money game. We're talking about this for a few weeks. You and I are all involved in this game. And we really believe here at K2 that the truth is that God wants us to understand how the game works and he wants us to win at it. Um, and we want to really define that well for you. And so if you're just nodding off to sleep, um, man, catch the punchline of how he wants us to win the game. And, and there's a couple things that we typically do wrong that, that make us lose the game. We're going to start with how we lose the game, all right? This week and, and next week, we're going to talk a little bit more with, with how to win the game. But we're talking about this money game. You and I are all involved with it. And if we don't pay attention... We just, we get a whole different set of rules. We get a whole different objective than really what God's objective is for us and for it, all right? So that's where we're going this week. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about that, just continuing the story for me. I'm not, I'm not like your financial advisor, I promise you. I'm a, I'm a financial learner. So in my 20s, in our whole 20s, Crystal and I, I was in grad school, and I made between $300 and $1,500 a month, 
right, for my whole 20s, all right, uh, while I was youth pastor and going to grad school and all of that. And so, and then we went from that amazing financial revenue stream to living in Africa and just kind of whatever came in every month, that's kind of what we did. And to be honest, looking back, the way I viewed finances is um, I'm not going to focus on it so that I don't, I don't fall in love with it, right? Like, I'm not going to focus on it and focus on what I don't have and how much, I'm just, I'm not going to worry about it. And, and part of really what I'm coming to is the fact that I have lots of habits from just not paying attention to money and really the way God wants me to use money. And so and maybe you've been in that same stream. Maybe you haven't had so little that you haven't focused on it. Maybe you've had so much that you didn't focus on it. Like, I talk with lots of you about life, and I know lots of you who have a lot who are totally discontent with what you have. And I know lots of you who have almost nothing and are totally discontent. And I know vice versa as well. And just to be honest, as we approach this, um, I, I just want you to know that I'm totally in this learning process as well. Some of you financially about how to invest and stuff, you, you are light years ahead of, of where I'm at and some of the things. But, but what I think I'm going to bring to you this morning is, is really God's purpose for how we're supposed to interact with stuff here and money, and his goal for us, and how to use it, and how to be faithful in it, and, and how to actually invest, and, and really be smart in the way that he wants us to handle money, all right? Does that make sense? Make sense where we're going? All right, so I'm going to pray for us. If it's your first time at K2, my name's Lad. I'm one of the teaching pastors here, and we call this our white box, all right? This is kind of white on the outside. We have the exact same thing going live right now. Dave, our lead pastor, is teaching in the red box, which is the red building right over there, and uh, so there's a group over there, and uh, anytime you come on Sunday morning, join us in either this auditorium or that auditorium, pretty much get the same thing. All right, here at K2, our goal is that everyone would take one step closer to God, and that's our desire this morning. Even as we talk just pretty real about good spending habits and how to use your money so that, that you can actually honor God with your life, we're going to talk about that this morning. It's our, our, it's our desire that you would take one step closer to, to God and to trust in him and the life that he has for you. So that's where we're going this morning. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to get started. God, thank you for your word. Thanks that you love us. Thanks that you talked about money. Thanks you talked about faith. Thanks you talked about uh, how we're supposed to live life here. And God, would you help unpack for us some of the lies, some of the things that, uh, that we've done wrong, that we believe wrongly, and would you help us to hear from you and your word and walk away with some some practical ways to trust in you and to be more faithful with what you've given us. God, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. The best way, one of the first things to do to, to lose the money game is to totally play for a different outcome, to forget the point of the game. Most of us come into the game and we have different objectives. As many people as there are here, there's, there's probably plenty of different objectives. Can you imagine playing a board game and everybody's trying to win in a different way, right? It, do, it doesn't make sense. Um, I was thinking about games and uh, do you remember a decade or so ago, remember that show uh, Survivor came on, one of those first reality competition shows, right? And I, do they still even do that? Okay, they do. Um, well, anyways, uh, I saw the first one, and uh, I would imagine the rest of them are pretty similar. And the first one, there was this terrible guy that won. Like, he was just ruthless, right? 
And uh, do you remember this guy? His name was Richard. And, um, but the more I thought about it, like, that guy was totally focused on what? Winning the game, right? He was surviving and winning the game. And he won the game, right? And there was a, a bunch of outrage for, like, from people. It's like, he's the worst guy. Like, kick him off the show. And, but, but the reality is, is he played that game and he, with intention, went at it and won it. It wasn't, the, the goal of the game wasn't to be the nicest guy and to get the highest approval ratings from everybody on TV. The goal of the game was to win the game right? And, and you and I tend to, we just get confused about the money game. Um, there's lots of different versions down through the years that you've heard of um, to answer these questions. You know, what, what's the purpose of money? Is it just for me to get through the month? Is it, is it for me to save as much as I can? Is it for me to give inheritance for a bunch of generations? What is, what's the goal of money and life? What are we doing here? Am I just supposed to get by week to week? Am I supposed to spend it all? Am I supposed to leave smoke and ashes and a little bit of debt? What what am I supposed to do with money? You and I have heard the old saying of he who dies with the most toys wins, right? She who dies with the most toys wins. And all of us know that we don't take it with us. At least we suspect that, like whether you're even a believer or not, whether you're into God or not, you, you suspect that most of those caskets are the same size and they might throw a few extra jewels in there, but, but most of us don't take it with us. And so we've heard that he who dies with the most toys wins, but that doesn't really settle well for you, does it? I mean, but we kind of live that way. Today, it's almost a little bit different. We, we almost have a version of whoever dies with the best toys wins, right? It's not even necessarily the most, it's the best. And we talked for a long time about how your grandfather kept a tool for a long, long, long time and you didn't need to replace it because that one still worked, right? And you and I upgrade constantly, right? And as soon as we don't sharpen it, we don't tune it up, we get a new one, right? And we could go through all the mechanics of saying, well, they don't build them like they used to and all that kind of stuff, but... But you and I constantly replace things that don't need replacing because somewhere in there we really believe that who, he who dies with the nicest things wins. All right? And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at God's word a little bit because what Jesus said, he said somebody can live their whole life and gain the whole world and lose their own soul and totally lose the game. You can have everything. You can, you can control the entire world. You can be the wealthiest man on the planet and lose your soul. And so what we want to do is we want to know, hey, what's the, what's the goal of this game? All right? Right from the start, right from creation, in Genesis, God says this. God says he created man and, women, uh, man and woman, and he created them to rule over the land. Okay? I'm going to read it for you. It's actually in Genesis uh, Two twenty-six through 31, all right? So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with us. Genesis 2, 26 through 31. And here's just what, here's what God says when he made man and woman. Uh, sorry, not, uh, yeah, it's two, it's, excuse me. I'm going to find it here because I'm not going to go on and it's not on the screen. 
It could be chapter 1. It is. Thank you. Is that you, John? Thanks, bro. All right. Then God said, let us make people in our image, man and woman in our own image. Okay, first thing is God makes man in his own image. First thing you need to know is the only, the only creation that's made in God's image is man and woman. Okay, your cat, your dog, you love them, but they are not made in God's image. No other part of creation is made in God's image. And he says, let us make people in our own image to be like us. They will rule over all of life, the fish in the sea, the birds of the air, livestock, animals, small animals. So God created people in his own image. God patterned them after himself. Male and female, he created them. He blessed them and told them, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, be masters over the fish and the birds and all the animals. And God said, look, I've given you all of this, okay, all the seed-bearing plants. And he goes on, he says, all of this is for you, okay, for you to rule over it and to multiply. Okay, just three things. God created people to have relationship with him, okay, to have relationship with him. And in having that relationship with him, like the goal of us here on earth is to rule over the earth and to care for it, all right? All knowing that God is the creator. He created us to be in relationship with him and to work out our ruling over the earth in relationship to him. Whose world was it? It was God's, okay? For Adam and Eve, this was just a given, right? Because they, before, before they sinned, they walked with him in the evening. It was God's. Who made them? God made them. Who gave them life? God gave them life. Who caused the, the plants to grow, the trees to bear fruit? Who caused all of that to happen? God caused that to happen. And they lived out their life in honor of him ruling over the world. Does that make sense? And you rule over the world. You rule over the world in a certain direction. You might rule over the world in, gar- in regards to your job and your tasks at work, or you rule over that little kingdom of the world that is your plot of land that you rent or own or whatever, because we all know that it, it's temporary. It's God. Do we really ever own land? As soon as you die, they'll bury, in it, bury you in it and somebody else will have it, right? It's not really yours. You're on it for a while. And Adam and Eve understood that all of this is God's. And we live in light of him and we rule over it and we multiply. Does that make sense? And, and so that's what we do. It's all in glory of God. So God has given us this, this job and we do it in, in honor of him. But you and I, we struggled because we, we weren't in that garden and we didn't walk in the afternoons with God in the cool of the afternoon. And, and we don't think of him as the one who provides that job for us. And you and I have been raised, and we think much more of, of us and our stuff. And the more I train and the harder I work, the more I get. And, and then I kind of come here, and I, and I think of maybe part of what I do here or part of what I give somewhere... I, I think of those as God's things, but, but really the bigger picture of money and how you rule over life and, and how God provides for you, the goal of it is to honor God with all of it, to honor God with the way you work, to honor God with the way you rule over, and to honor God with, with all of that process, the, fir- the first fruits of what you're given, and, and with all of the, the provision and the money that you have. And so really the goal of it is to honor God, all right? And I want to talk about some... I want to talk about some details of that because I don't want you to think that, that what, um, 
that, that there just aren't specific answers. Because Proverbs goes on to say that a, that a good man, a good man will work hard and he will leave an inheritance to his kids' kids. All right? So if you're a good, hardworking man, you will not think of life completely as unto yourself, right? That a, a good, hardworking man will, will work hard and leave an inheritance that actually blesses his grandkids and maybe beyond. Okay? That a good man. And, and we even know in the New Testament that Paul says, if we don't work hard and provide for our immediate family, that, that we're worse than people who don't know God even exists. Right? That we just, we live, like the Bible says, just, to, just totally in, I don't, God, I don't even care who you are. Right? He says the worst kind of person, just they don't even provide for their family. And so what God says is, he says, absolutely, there's, there's working hard and there's investing and there's seeing the, the benefit of your labors, right? But doing that all understanding that it's out of honor to God. Does that make sense? All right? So the first thing is, don't forget the outcome or the goal of the game. The goal of the game is to honor God completely with what you have. And, and if I was your financial advisor or if I was your investor and you gave me your money, let's say you gave me your, your retirement to manage, and you came to me, and we, we had lunch, and you said, hey, how are my investments going? And you say, wow, I, I, I don't know. I really thought about that. And, and you say, well, what do you mean you haven't thought about that? You're my, you're my investor. And I say, yeah, I'm not, not really detail-oriented, you know? Um, I don't really keep track of things all that well. Uh, I, don't, I don't really know how they're going. Uh, actually, or, or maybe the other way to say it is, you know, they're going great. I actually used them for myself. <laughs> what would you do? Man, you would fire me at least, right? You would fire me at least. You'd probably try to get me indicted. Um, and, and to be honest, in, in regards to the goal of the game, you and I come in as managers. We're overseers of this portion of the world that God's called us to rule over. And so all of it is his, and we're called to honor him. And he, he talks a lot about money and how we do that and about how he gives us talents, he gives us, and he wants us to multiply and he wants us to invest well. We'll get there, okay? But, but the proper perspective of who you and I are is that we're managers of God's money. Now, if that rubs you wrong, and I expect it rubs quite a few of you wrong, and it might not rub you wrong on your face right now, but deep inside if that rubs you wrong, um, that's because you and I have been playing the game with different rules this whole time. We just have. We've been playing the game thinking, this is mine, and the goal is me, and multiplying for me. And, and that's not actually the goal of the game. The goal of the game is not me, and to honor me, and create for me. The goal of the game is to honor God and to manage for him and to multiply for him and to, to allow him to call us to use his investments and his life and, and to invest it where he wants. All right. So that's the first thing. The second thing you do to lose the game, not just forget the rules, um, but you got to understand why you're tempted to, to go off those points, why it's so easy for us to, to play by different rules. Okay. And, and I want to share a verse with you. It is, um, it's first Timothy six, six. And we're going to spend a little bit of time in 1 Timothy 6 today, okay? 1 Timothy 6, 6, and it says this, it says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Uh, Paul is actually talking to people like me, uh, people who were teachers 
who were tempted to twist their message to try to make more money, okay? And, and he just says, what happens when you love, when you, when you get the, the rules wrong and you think about, you think the rules is more about getting more money for yourself, is that you're tempted to, to actually go after money in such a way that you actually lose the game. So you can actually play the money game where your goals become so off course that you can look like you have a lot of money and totally lose the game. And so he actually just says this real simple statement. He says, uh, but godliness with contentment is great gain. And, and I just want to use the word godliness. There's lots of ways we can talk about it. But remember what I said about Adam and Eve? What was their perspective? God's the one who made me. He's the one who put me in this garden to work and to rule and to manage. And, and what I do honors him, right? What I do is in light of him. What I do is to, to reflect him. And so I'm going to work hard and I'm going to harvest hard. And I'm going to put in a hard day's work and manage it really well to honor him, right? As you, as you live and use money and invest and think about inheritance, and the goal is to honor him. Okay. And, and I want to kind of take that definition into godliness, a life where I say, God, you've called me to live life this way. And I believe in you. And I want to live in respect of you. I want to listen to your word and, and I want to live to honor you with all of my stuff, with all of this world, all of this earth, all of this rule and authority that you've given to me. Okay. And so he says, godliness like that with contentment is great gain. Okay. So this word contentment, I think is so key. All right. Um, I asked you at what point were you most content? All right. Godliness with contentment is great gain. You and I think of great gain and you and I think of bigger houses. It doesn't really matter what house you're in. Um, you, you think of something slightly bigger right? You, it doesn't matter what your income is. You think of something slightly more, right? And you think of gain as flatter, thinner TVs. You think of it as nicer, sleeker cars. You think of it as bigger, stronger tools. You think of gain as, right? You th- we think of gain in those ways. But he says, actually, godliness with contentment. This life that lives in honor of God with contentment is great gain. Because again, what you and I know is that all the stuff doesn't last, right? Even though we want it, all, all the stuff doesn't last, but, but godliness in relationship with him does. And so I want to talk about this word contentment because, because the second way to lose the game is to, to allow your discontentment to fuel you to different directions, okay? This word discontentment. And by the way, um, man, Dave and I just... we. If you don't know this, like we listen kind of ferociously to different pastors all the time. And I don't know if you guys do that. How many of you podcast? How many of you podcast? Like you should totally podcast good sermons. Um, in and out of your week where you have time, you should totally podcast. And so uh, a guy who is absolutely the best in the country speaker about finances, this is the place that you're at in your life, whether you have a lot or you have a little. And the guy who is absolutely the best speaker in our country about finances. His name is Andy Stanley, North Point Church in Atlanta, okay? And so if you don't, if you don't subscribe to some different podcasts, uh, I'd love to give you a few to, to listen to, but I want to let you know that tons of this is really even from his train of thought um, from, uh, from a sermon series called uh, Balanced, okay? All right. 
Um, so this idea of discontentment is, is fueled by awareness, okay? I become discontent when I become aware of something else. When you looked back to the place you were most content, were you aware of all that you're aware of now? No. Um, I have friends, I grew up in the Midwest, and kind of the trend in the town that I was born in is that you, you grow up and you graduate from either high school or sometime a two-year degree or something like that, and then... And then you're working your job, you get married, and you build your dream house, okay? I just have tons of friends that did that at age 19 to 21. Like, they built the house that they plan on being in in the next 75 years, okay? Or whatever. And, uh, and the thing is, is when you, you do that, what, what do we all know if you've lived for more than 20 years? Like, you become aware of way more things, Right? You become a way of way more, if you're going to build your own house, you, you become a way more layout designs that are just way more user-friendly, right, to having kids or something like that. And you, you just, you don't have awareness. And so awareness fuels discontentment. Um, I remember I went to uh, Fresno, California, and a friend of mine from Africa lived there, and uh, he picked me up at the airport, and he picked me up, and I did not know that cars could be that quiet inside. Like I, wa- I got inside the car and like we had this old Land Rover in Africa. And so I'd just gone to the airport in this like in this battle tank kind of truck, you know? And, um, and then like, I didn't know cars could be that quiet. And I didn't know that there could be that much room between my legs and the amazing mahogany dashboard, right? <laughs> and like, once you become aware of that, it's like, oh my word, my old Jeep is so loud, Right? Like, I can't even think in here. Um, have you ever been in that situation where, like, you go to somebody else's house or, um, and, like, yeah, I didn't know that, like, TVs could look like that. I didn't know that kitchens could look, like, I can't even see the refrigerator. It, like, blends into the wall. Right? And all of a sudden, a refrigerator that it really, the only thing it needs to do is keep food cold. All of a sudden, it's supposed to blend in the wall and you can't see it anymore, Right? And you didn't know that until you became aware of it, okay? And so you and I, we, we have this tendency to, to drive our awarenesses in a direction that makes us discontent for something. Does that make sense? We take our awareness and we, we put it somewhere. How many of you, um, how many of you know that like today, you're going to be made aware of a ton of new things? What is, so today, there's a game on today, right? Right? And some of you are watching pregame right now, I'm sure. And uh, like you guys with the earbuds, right? Um, I get that. And so, uh, but you're going to be made aware of, what's that? Gotcha. So you're going to be made aware of a ton of things because you've got tons of people watching. And so the most expensive awareness strategies happen today, don't they? the most elaborate, expensive awareness because they make you aware of something in a way that makes you, you need it and discontent with what you have. And, and so we're going to talk a little bit about awareness and how awareness plays in the game because awareness can take you off track, but awareness can actually keep you in the game. It just depends what kind of awareness you surround yourself with, Okay. Uh, First Timothy, uh, going further in uh, 6, 9, it says this. It says, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap 
and into many foolish and harmful desires and plunge people into ruin and destruction. Okay? Um, those who want to get rich, they, they constantly put their awareness towards more. And so whether that's higher ceilings and more elaborate kitchens and nicer this and more that, they, they constantly, they become aware of things that, that makes them discontent. And he said, it's a trap waiting to happen. All right? And you and I live in the wealthiest place on earth. Okay? We live in the West, and we are in, no matter what way you cut it, everybody, everybody in this room is in the top 5% of the wealthiest people on the planet. Okay? You and I don't feel that. Why? Because we are discontent. Holy. We're, we're sure that someone has more, and we're sure that there's no way that we're in the top 5% of the wealthiest people on the planet. And so... So here's what he says is those who they consume their desire with more. He said, you'll never get there. It's a trap. You will never get there and you'll lose the game. Okay. So there's two outcomes of this kind of discontentment that I want to talk about today that you really need to stop. There's, there's two outcomes of discontentment that get you off track that you really need to, you need to stop in order to quit losing the game. Okay. We're going to talk about these two real quickly. Uh, The first one is... Um, impulsive spending. All right. So uh, the first, the first deal is impulsive spending. And so it, it doesn't matter if you have a lot or you have a little, if you are, if you're fueled by discontentment, you're going to spend impulsively. How many of you ever spent something impulsively, right? Almost every one of us. Okay. And the rest of you have, you just don't consider yourself part of that crew. All right. And so Impulsive spending. Uh, typically, when I become convinced that I need to have more, um, what's going on inside me is is a fact that I want to I want to look a certain way. I want to own a certain thing. I want to, and and what we're going to find is that there's a bit of of arrogance to it that I have, I have pride and I want to look this way. All right. And I spend impulsively and, and how many of you have had to back out, you don't have to raise your hands, but lots of us have had to back out of things that we purchased. We have to take them back or, or we, we spent too much and, and we can't pay a mortgage. Um, we can't pay a lease and we have those cars with those amazing quiet interiors and yet we can't stand them because we, we bought impulsively thinking it would satisfy, right? And, and so one thing that just we need to stop is impulsive spending. There's lots of ways to do it. There's guys who recommend um, taking all of your ability to spend and whether that's credit cards or whatever and, and putting them in, a, in like a, a, a jar of water and then freezing it, right? And... Uh, and so you can't do that. There's people who say, go and do cash only. In fact, if finances, if some of the cycles that we're talking about are where you're at, we have this absolutely great class coming up called Financial Peace University. Starts in a couple of weeks. And we'd love to have you get involved with that because we're going to find out here that you, you have to pay attention to what you're doing with your money. And let me say a strong statement. If you want to walk with Jesus, if you want to be faithful in honoring God as a, as a follower of him, you have to pay attention to how you use your money. Okay? Because, because 
here's, here's the thing is that where we're going is it, it's not that God wants your money, right? Like everything is God's, okay? Everything is, it's not that he, he wants it. He doesn't even need it. It is his, okay? Here's what he doesn't want. He, it's not that he wants your money. He doesn't want your money to get you. Do you understand that's the tension? Is that you and I think, hey, I'm getting all of this. And all the while, you're just wrapping the noose around your neck and it's getting you. What God wants for us is freedom to walk in and manage over this world. Does that make sense? And so, so the first thing that you got to do is you got to say, I am not going to spend impulsively to fuel what I want or to fuel the image that I'm pursuing or my ego. And oftentimes what happens is when we do that, um, we end up with a whole string of consequences and and what we're going to talk about next, debt, because we spend impulsively to feed what we want. Now, how do we counter that? And we're going to talk about it in just a second as well, but how do we counter that? What what would be, if, if I'm totally aware of of something else, whether that's a totally new clothing line, if I'm always, ladies, if you are always, always aware of the newest trends, what is going to constantly go on inside you? You're going to have to have it. Men, if you are always aware of the new line of, of car or truck or, or MacBook or whatever it is, if you're always aware, what's constantly going to be going on in your head? I need that, right? Like this, this one isn't fast enough and this one will be faster and do you understand what I'm saying? And so your awareness pushes all of these things. And so one of the best ways to do it is to literally become naive again about those things that you are impulsive at. To, to cancel subscriptions to, to catalogs and magazines and stuff that comes your way. Um, there was a period of time where I taught snowboarding and I had, I had so much stuff coming. Like I was constantly aware of all this new gear. How many of you are, have ever like gotten into buying like gear? Maybe it's just me. Okay. Um, and when you're constantly aware of it, you constantly think you need what is new, right? And so, first of all, don't spend it quick, all right? Second, second thing is don't spend what you don't have. Proverbs 22, 7 says this. Um, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. How many of you have felt kind of the chains of slavery to the lender, right? Any of you with a mortgage, for sure. Cars, okay, spending debt. Um, the, the average of us has about $10,000 in credit card debt, right? And, and so here we are, the wealthiest people on the planet. We're fueled by awareness. We're fueled by awareness, and we spend what we don't have, Okay. So if you talk to anybody who's good with finances, and again, I'm not your financial advisor, but you talk to anybody who's good with finances, and the best, best way to live is to spend what you have, save some of that, and when you save that up, spend that on something you need, right? And, and you and I receive, receive credit and lines of credit and credit card. We receive the ability to indebt ourselves as a gift, Right? Oh, fantastic. I've got a $10,000 limit. Let's go out to dinner, right? And, and we spend what we don't have and we enslave ourselves. And when we're playing this game and our goal is to honor God with all of this stuff and we become enslaved to someone else, how easy is it to win the game? It's not so easy. You come to church and you hear about 
uh, you hear about kids somewhere in the world that have needs and your heart is breaking and like you got tissues going and you're like, how in the world can I help? And, and then you feel that chain yank, don't you? On your leg and you're, I'm totally broke. And I don't have anything to give. And I, I can't win in the way I want to win because I have nothing. And we enslave ourselves to the lender. So don't spend impulsively and don't spend what you don't have. All right, I want to talk about some practical ways to move towards that, okay? Because the goal is to honor God. And what we want to do is we want to really walk away with some practical steps. And really the most practical thing you could do, if those things bite you, if you know that you spend impulsively, if you know you've spent what you don't have, if you know you're in those cycles of just getting by week to week, just paying things off, if, if you're in that place, I would really encourage you to join us for financial peace. Um, it, is, it is the right thing to do. Become aware. And, and actually, that's one of the first things that I want to talk about. Um, awareness, awareness can work for you or it can work against you. You can become aware of all those things that fuel impulsive, indebted kind of spending. Um, but the key to sorting out your finances is to become aware of where your money's going. Okay? So first thing to really correct this is to become aware. It doesn't matter whether you have $150 a week or $150 a month or $150,000 a month. Okay? It doesn't matter. You need to become aware of where your money is going. Okay? I know people here amongst us who have large, large sums of money who have no idea where their money is going. They need to become aware of where their money is going. I know people who have almost nothing who have no idea where their money is going. You need to become aware of where your money is going. If you want to curb, okay, this, this cycle of quick, impulsive, indebted spending, okay, become aware of where your money is going. I want, so write this down. I want to encourage you for the next week, okay? I want to encourage you for the next week to write down every cent you spend, to keep track of every cent you spend. Some of you do this already. Use QuickBooks to do it. Use pen and paper to do it, whatever. That's great. If you don't do this, if you're not aware of where your money is going, you need to become aware of where you're spending your money, okay? Become aware of where you are investing. This notion that we have of wanting to win the game and wanting to invest and to save and to treasure, do you know Jesus backs that? Do you know Jesus totally backs this whole idea of investing well? He just does. But, but what he says to us in Matthew 6 is he says, don't be stupid, do you know Jesus says that a lot, actually? He says, don't be dumb. He says, don't tie up all your stuff here where it's all going to disappear. Uh, he, he knows that we are created to, to invest, to work hard, to save, okay? He says, take your money and, and in, use it and invest it where, and Jesus even kindly says, your treasure. He, he doesn't say, take my stuff. He just humbly says, take what you've got, take your treasure and invest it where it can't be destroyed. Invest it into God's kingdom. Other place, what he says is, he says, man, get rid of all of your stuff and give it to the poor and invest it in the kingdom and you will have treasures eternally. Okay. So he says, take your treasure and, and first of all, know where it's going. All right. That's the first thing. So do that for a week. Um, I promise you, you'll be surprised. If you don't do that regularly, 
I promise you, you will be surprised. You'll be surprised at how much you spend at lunch. Or you'll be surprised at how much you don't spend at lunch. Or you'll be surprised at how much you spend on gas. Or you'll be surprised at how much you spend on entertainment. You'll be surprised at really how much it costs to have this. You'll be surprised. And so first thing is become aware of where all your money's going. Um, Secondly, uh, stop the patterns of spending money in quick, prideful directions that keep you out of the game, okay? You've got to figure out, once you become aware of how you're spending the money, figure out what are those things that are impulsive decisions, okay? And for you, if you're smart enough to not keep your normal patterns for a week and you say, wow, I didn't spend any money this week, right? And I guess I'm great. Um, And then you spend, you make up for it the next week. Maybe what you need to do is spend it for a month, right? Look at what you spend for a month. Where does all your money go? And then say, where are... Where, where's my pride fueling? Where's my pride fueling my spending? Okay? And, and how am I not winning in the goal of honoring God with my life? Some of you might take a look at how you're spending your money and you're saying, you know what? We got a lot of money sunk in, in this. You know, we could totally change that. And that would give us more freedom to, to honor God with our money. Take a look at it. All right? Third thing. Uh, you can redirect your heart. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit about this next week as well. But you can redirect your heart. You know, when we were in Ethiopia uh, a couple months ago, it always amazes me because uh, I've been in third world situations quite a bit since I was uh, in high school. And it always amazes me when I take new people into those situations who've never been outside of the States or even outside of Utah and take them to a place and... And just the, the weeping and the brokenness from people like you and me that's right and real. In fact, some of you know that and those commercials come on or those news reports or they, those things come on and you change because there's almost a part of us that doesn't want to be aware, right, of it. And, and somebody goes and they, they experience that and every time, every time I take somebody to Africa, you know what they say? Every time they say, I cannot believe how happy these people are. They have nothing. And, and instantly, what I recognize, and sometimes the person recognizes, is that we have so fused the getting of more, the upgrading to newer, the acquiring of more. We've fused that with happiness, and we say, there is no way that a person can be happy in these conditions. And I just, I want to upgrade their condition to make them happier. And do you know it doesn't work? Because it's, it's godliness. It's that life in honor of God with contentment that fuels great gain. Okay, the people in the world who have a lot of money, who spend it all on themselves, do we really even know who they are? We don't. We don't even know who they are. It's when people have this amazing amount and they spend it on other people and we're like, that person, they're obviously content and they're content to give away, right? And we, because we understand that there's something about contentment that, that really is the way to live life in a wealthy way. We're going to talk about that next week, all right? So you can redirect your heart. You can redirect your awareness. First, you can become aware of, of really where your money's going. And then you can, you can decide, you know what? The awarenesses that are fueling these directions, I've just got to cut them off. 
Okay? It's why you want your kids to watch a lot less TV between like Thanksgiving and Christmas, right? Because you don't want them to be aware of all of those things, right? You have to cut things off. If you're constantly spending in a direction, what's making you aware of that? And why can't you be content? And you've got to figure that out and say, okay, God, how can I honor you in this way? Does that make sense? And and what you need to do is you need to say, here are my new awarenesses. Don't, don't necessarily even act on them. Just make yourselves aware of the things that you'd become convinced that God wants you to be aware of. All right? Become aware of people in need around you. Become aware of, of people in a different situation who have great needs. Become aware of something different and let God change your heart. All right? Last thing. So first thing, and, and I really want to encourage you, if you do not do this, Write down every dime you spend, every penny you spend. Become aware of what your money's doing, all right? Secondly is uh, stop spending in those areas and then redirect your awareness. The last thing is just start putting treasures uh, towards the new things that you're aware of. Maybe the new thing that you're aware of is your, your kid's schooling. Maybe you've got nothing for your kid's schooling. You realize you, you're not going to be a great parent if you're not going to do that. And so you need to become aware of what it's going to cost. Some of us have kids and we have no idea what school costs, right? We have no idea. You need to become aware of that and, and start doing it because you know what Jesus says in all, he says where your treasure is, is just a fact. Where you put your treasure, your heart is. Where you invest your money, your heart will be. And if the goal of the game is to honor him and to, to live and rule and take care of and multiply on the earth. And if that's, if that's the goal, to honor him in that way, and we're not aware of the things that take us in that direction, we're not going to be able to win. All right? So get rid of the wrong awarenesses and, and start putting your awareness in the right spot, whether that's for paying off debt, whether that's for saving, whether that's for giving, whatever it is, become aware of those things and start putting your treasure there. Okay? Does that make sense? Um, I want you to do that. And then next week, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about uh, the next verse, okay? In, in uh, 1 Timothy, no, we're going to talk about 1 Timothy 18 next week, 618. All right, so you can read through 1 Timothy 6 a couple times this week. Really encourage you to do that. It's our desire that as people that we would really walk in a way honoring God and that we'd have the tools to be able to do that as a church.